Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm Natalie Boyne. I'm the media host for Thrive Today and the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Well, look, we are so excited to connect with you today because at Thrive, we take the authority of God's word and we connect it to the relevance of your success at work. They're tied hand in hand. Well, today we have back with us Colleen Rouse. She is not only the Thrive Today founder, but she's also the founding pastor of Victory Church in Atlanta, Georgia. We are so excited to be back to talk about one of my favorite topics today, which is innovation. But before we do that, Colleen, we want to dig in and look at a Thrive Today box in just a moment. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, something I love about the Thrive Today membership is that quarterly, we have these curated boxes that come to you, and they are so beautiful on the outside. And you, as you would expect, it's also really awesome on the inside. So I thought we could just take a quick look at some of the things you get as part of the Thrive Today membership. So let's talk about this one, which is so cool. Thrive Today Candle. Tell me a little bit about how you curate these. Because what I love about these boxes is you think about what goes into each and every one of them. Yeah, every box has a theme attached to it. And within that theme, there's also kind of a template that I follow. And and it depends on the season. So this this season, and you know, everybody needs to have a little aromatherapy in some way. And so I love it's a soy based candle, and you know, I I just love fragrance. Fragrance does something to us. Yeah. And so yeah, so I was very careful to pick something that was calming. So we chose lavender. And then I love. Um, okay, so first of all, Dr. Dave Martin writes in our. Thrive Today magazine all the time. And he yeah. is so, he's such a great person. So you've got one of his books in here. You also have some nourishing hand cream, which again, these products are so high quality when you get them in these boxes. Yes. Again, seasonal needs. I mean, I love his, he's a, he's a fantastic contributor. And this book is, everyone really needs to dive into this book because it it is about our mindsets, our perspectives, uh, cause our behaviors. And so how do we want to show up? We have to start at the core and to have our minds renewed. He delves into some great stuff in this book. Well, this was really, really cool. I want to talk about this. I know this was coming out of our, our winter season, but this was super, super special, especially this card I have in my hand. So I always like to have something that's kind of like out of my favorite category or something that's meaningful that I want to share with my girls. And what you have in your hand is my mother's pumpkin pie recipe, which I will swear it. Well, I don't swear, but it is the best pumpkin pie ever. And uh, it is it is in her handwriting. My mother had beautiful penmanship. And so I wanted to share that because, you know, sharing a family recipe is kind of like a big thing. So I, I wanted my girls to have the inside information to that. That's so cool. There's there's so much more in here, but the last thing I want to show is the um, our cover girl for um, the winter, kind of right, the fall edition. So let's talk a little bit about Brooke Thomas. So Brooke is amazing. Uh, I met her several years ago and you know, she's one of those people that she is, you know, I don't want to reduce her to a cheerleader, but she is absolutely a cheerleader. I mean, she champions a lot of women. She really, and, and we highlight the honor matrix and what it means to honor. This is kind of a lost art 
in a day in a day in which we live where a lot of people feel entitled to just climb that ladder and step on who's ever in front of them and she t she brings in a whole different perspective to this and how it's shown up in her life and she lives it out she lives it out so she's she's a fantastic uh role model for us as far as someone who has achieved a lot she has several businesses she's very successful and she's very grounded in the word of god gosh i love that well so ladies as you can see these boxes are very special they're curated just for you with you in mind and so you can head over to thrivetoday.com sign up for our membership to be a part of our community and you can learn more there well today we're going to jump into the topic of innovation as you know this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart and as we turn the corner and as we're in 2023 Really, I think what we'd like to do today as part of this conversation is we want to spark innovation in you. We want to spark creativity and really just ingenuity in you. This is a brand new year. And so I just I do love the way that we typically describe a new year as a blank canvas. Right. Uh, and so it's that ability to to really understand that um, the sky's the limits and what we can dream of and what we can think of. Right. But then the rubber meets the road with how do we actually execute it? And so we want to provide some space here with you to dream today, to think about um, innovation and ingenuity in your own life, and to think about how to make that possible. And so I kind of want to open up with this thought, and I just want to see what you think of this thought, but God is innovative. I mean, that's a big, bold thought, and we kind of, I guess, know it, but when you think about it, he's so innovative. I mean, God got around all of our screw-ups over the whole course of history of mankind you know he 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 was ready for it and he is absolutely innovative he is not a stagnant god he created i mean look around you at creation you're looking at someone who's brilliant who's a master creator and so these issues that we have before us on a daily basis he teaches us how to be creative to find creative solutions for those very things. I even think about how our brains are wired and how people study our brains and study our brains. And, and just by looking at it, you can't actually really figure out what it does. Um, you have to just, there's all these different neurons, right? And things that fire. And I just, I think about how creative and innovative God is even to create us, just the way that we're wired and created. And then even when you, like you said, you look around and you see how beautiful the landscapes are and then you know, you go under the sea and just see all that's there. And so my question to you is this, if God is innovative and if God is creative, then why do we feel that we're sometimes not, right? Maybe it's something that we've, we've been told growing up. Maybe it's something that someone spoke over us. But typically I find that people really struggle with seeing themselves as a natural innovator, right? If, if God's an innovator and we're made in his image, then that means that innovation, ingenuity, and creativity are in us. But I feel like this is the tension. Sometimes people fail to feel that that is living inside of them. You're absolutely right. And I've had conversations with people who didn't see themselves as creative beings. And, you know, like only the artists are the creative. No, you have a different creative genius. But when we, when we understand this, the, the space of creativity is our imagination. Our, and the imagination is the space where we 
have the ability to see an answer, to to see an image, to see an outcome that it seems to be out of reach for us. And this is the place, honestly, this is the place where the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It's in that realm. Now, I don't know about you, Natalie, but I grew up hearing this statement because I would come to my parents with some wild stories and they would say to me, oh, that's just your imagination. So when you hear this in those formative years of life, you can diminish the significance of your imagination. Now we have our brains and our brains have been created, but our minds have got to be renewed. And so maybe my imagination wasn't trustworthy before Jesus became the Lord of my life. But when I became spiritually alive, there was something that was awakened in me and in all of us in the realm of the imagination. Because now as I renew my mind, I can trust and I can expand that competency of creative solutions in my imagination. That's so good. And I and I think that's part of what I would love to lean into a little bit more today. Cause I think that um, you know, if I think both of us are very innovative and creative, but they show up in different ways. Like for example, that beautiful piece of art behind you, you you painted that yourself. Okay. I did. So, I painted it behind the glass. <laughs> I bought this at, <laughs> so you're not going to see me out there painting. And so what I love is that you can have two different people that are made up so differently and innovation and creativity looks so different for them. Um, and so, you know, it's it's not always going to look like it looks for everybody else. And I think that's something that's really important for us to think about for a second. Um, if we even think in our own life, who's the most innovative or creative person we know? Sometimes we then say, okay, well, that's what it looks like. And so by doing that, we actually negate the way it looks in us. We, we negate the way that we show up. And sometimes how we show up is actually a form of genius that feels very common to us. So yeah. just because it's easy for you to do doesn't mean that it's easy for everyone else. And that's kind of a natural point where you can tap into maybe even what God's calling you to, what he's calling what problems he's calling you to solve or even where he's calling you to innovate. So what you just alluded to is this whole thing of dismissing ourselves, limiting ourselves, limiting our creative ability. And we should be doing the opposite. We should be setting expectations for becoming even more creative because I think honestly, Natalie, in the days of head, we don't know what we're going to face. The that, you know, the, the doom and gloom a group is telling us it's going to be horrible, but, um, and maybe it won't, maybe it will. But I think what is happening is that we need to anticipate and prepare for difficulty. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and the reason I say that is I think of this scripture in First Peter chapter 4, in fact, I want to read this message version. It says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. And so, yeah, so he's saying, hey, don't be surprised. Another version says, don't be surprised at these fiery trials. And I think what hinders 
our ability to be creative, what you alluded to. And one of the other things is that we just aren't prepared. We are surprised by the problems. And so there is sort of this not anticipating from a gloom, gloomy standpoint, but you know what? I'm ready for whatever. My expectation is lorries around the corner that no matter what I enter into, I'm not going to be surprised, uh, you know, because either in times of difficulty, because if we need to be creative in any space, it's in finding solutions, right? Mm -hmm. So when we hit that brick wall, when we encounter the situation that that's outside of our scope of current knowledge, it's going. We are going to become either more annoyed or more agile. We're going to be, you know, becoming more frustrated or more flexible. And so I think that basically what we need is some really good agility training because, uh, you know. We need to learn how to pivot. And I get this image in my mind. I don't know if they still do this, or maybe this is just the movies, but football players when they're training and they lay down these tires <laughs> and they have to just kind of do the dance through the tires because they're teaching them agility. They're teaching them to be able to move because, you know, they blow the whistle, that ball is thrown, but who knows what's going to happen. They practice their, their routes thousands of times, but who knows what's going to happen because they are running against another force. And so they have to be agile. That's, that's what makes them a great athlete. And that's what makes us a great leader is learning to be agile, learning to be innovative and saying, you know what? This thing is not bigger than God. I love that because it reminds me, like just listening to you talk, it reminds me of um, Daniel 1, right? When Daniel's taken away, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're all taken away. Israel's taken into captivity, into Babylon. And of course, right? Nobody wants to think about innovation in a time where things are going wrong. But I just look at the the blessing that Daniel had on his life. He chose to set himself apart and allowed himself to be different and not to just enter into the things of the land and be like everybody else. And I just love the way God honors him and Daniel 1, and he talks about, you know, the fact that he chose not to eat from the king's table. And he kind of he kind of created him for himself this fasted lifestyle, if you will. But what I love about this scripture and kind of how it ends right around um, 18 is it starts talking about how uh, in 17, actually, it says these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So I don't necessarily know if um, that type of wisdom was on them or if it came on them in this captivity and because of the the type of um, sacrifices they were willing to make. But when I read this, it gives me a lot of hope that I can eagerly ask for and pray for and fast for what I don't have naturally in me. So if I don't feel naturally creative, I can pray and fast for that. I can ask God to partner with me and to show me um, ways to to think outside the box, ways to think differently. And so I don't think any of us are um, held to our, our lot in life, if you will. We all have the ability to dream for bigger. We all have the ability to ask for more and to also pray and fast. And it's not that we're praying and fasting for creativity, 
we're, we pray and fast to get closer to God's heart and to get closer to his thoughts and his ways. And as we do that, those things are just a natural result of walking with him. And I, lo- I love that. And that's why I get so excited when I read Daniel 1 is because they had 10 times more wisdom than anyone else in the land, right? There were all these counterfeit people that were bringing witchcraft and um, sorcery and all these things. And they were bringing all these things to the king. But when they would call on Daniel, a godly man, he had 10 times more wisdom than anyone else in the land. So that gets me excited because innovation is in you. It just needs to be surfaced. Absolutely. And I I love that, this passage that you bring up, because the thing is that this idea of what's available to us, um, the idea of fasting is, like you said, to get us closer to God. It's really the fasting is necessary for us because there are some things that have to be removed so that we can have a stronger connection with God, you know, because fasting is is more about what we are going to obtain than what we're giving up. And so it's to increase that, streamline the communication between us and God. And that makes me think of another word. It's what we're doing is increasing our capacity. Now, when we think about capacity, and you bring that word up, and I've done this, I've actually done a poll, like, tell me, give me, what's your first thought? What is your definition for capacity? And usually people talk about performance. But what's interesting when you go to the dictionary, the first definition of capacity is about receptivity, your ability to contain. And so we need to move from we got to figure this out and work it and grinding ourselves to death to find a solution to our first go-to is got to think about receptivity, you know? Um, and that's hard for some people to swallow because they're a responsible kind of people. And, you know, they, they like, that would seem like a cop-out. No, it's not a cop-out because like you described the wisdom that Daniel had was 10 times it was, there was a superior wisdom. Yeah. And then you think about Paul talking about the, the wisdom of the, the foolishness of God confounds the wisdom of the world. So there is a superiority of wisdom that's available to us if we're willing to do what's necessary to access it, to tap into it and to receive it. And then it's like, it's gold. I love that. And I love that it, that comes in partnership with God. I think oftentimes, you know, we've we've talked about this before, but sometimes you can think, well, sacred is things I do at church or people that work in church, and secular is when I go to my job and there's that divide. And I know you talk a lot about the divide of secular, sacred, and um, sacred and secular. But I want to say this, like you know, when we when we're saved, when Holy Spirit comes into our life we bring the sacred wherever we go. And so even as we're walking into the secular, we're bringing the sacred because Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so we can draw on Holy Spirit at any time. I think a lot of times we think, okay, well, I only bring these types of things to um, to the Lord. But there's so much that we can do to partner with Him and, and business decisions we'd make. I can tell you this, I've made, you know, early in my career, I made some some good decisions and some bad decisions. But when I look back on those bad decisions, it was times where I didn't partner in prayer. I didn't actually ask. I just kind of left out there and did it without really scrutinizing um, 
you know, what am I asking God for and how will I know when he shows up and shows me what he wants me to do? I would just kind of leap without him telling me to. And so I think there's this wisdom that comes from from being anchored in his scripture and knowing that he does care about the big things and also the small things of our walk. And that to me is how we start to lean into some of these things about how do we become more innovative? Start by asking. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and from there, um, this is what gives us courage to to initiate innovation and 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 to actually like I love okay, one of my favorite books, this is a classic book, Jim Collins, Good to Great. And one of the chapters, he cites this thing about the squiggly thing under the rock. And I mean, that that was one chapter that jumped out and got a hold of me. So I want to I read his quote. Well, he's talking about courageous leaders. He says, when you turn over ro- rocks and look at all the squiggly things underneath, you can either put the rock down and you can say, my job is to turn over rocks and look at the squiggly things, even if what you see scares the heck out of you. Well, he chose another word. Right. But I mean, that's the thing is innovative leaders are turnover rocks. Yes. They are not just waiting for trouble to find them. It's almost like they're running to the madness. It's like they true, I think that, you know, the greatest, strongest form of innovation seeks out and says what needs to be solved instead of uh, waiting for something to land on their plate to fix. You know, so... I love that you shared this quote, that you shared this information from Jim Collins, because I, I wanted to talk about kind of how I got my start in innovation. And it was simply this. It was simply sitting with customers and asking them about a product of ours they were already using. And you would be surprised at how many complaints they got and how many things that they would talk about that kept them up at night, things they hated that we did with our product, things they loved with a competitor. And all of those things became innovations for me. So I would sit there and listen to their problems and then I would go and see, okay, is this a pattern? Is this happening with other customers too? Is this happening with other people? Is this a trend that's happening in the industry right now? And then I would come back based on their feedback and I would just start napkin sketching some things and bring it back to them and say, would this solve your problem? Is this what you're talking about? And so, so, so many times we think we have to have all this money and all this expertise to innovate, but I love what you talked about. Because part of innovation and, and the bulk of innovation is the way I see it is solving problems for people. It's locating what the issues are and learning how to solve them in a in a ubiquitous way that impacts more than just one person, right? It impacts many. So I love that you you raised that because to me that's the heartbeat of innovation. It's just it is looking at the squiggly things, but saying, Okay, how do we make it better? How do we how do we do something more effective? And at the end of the day, what you ended up with was a superior product that you would have never known how to improve without turning over the rock to d- identify the squiggly thing. So it's innovation is always going to lead to improvement. There's going to be a better version and it's going to serve the needs of people. So it doesn't, we're not just banking on our ability to, you know, I, I was in sales. I know how to sell. I, you know, I can back you into a corner and you know but that's manipulative isn't it much better to ask the questions you are wise to ask the questions and draw out what were the true issues because you were going to lose that account anyway eventually right 
But instead of relying on your sales ability to manipulate people who then still don't have the product they need, you did the reverse side of it. You you took the issues and came up with something more superior that served them. Now you have something that is not going to just serve them. They gave you research information that allowed you to then create the next generation of whatever that was. And now you've expanded your reach because it's going to serve others people's needs. So I love this approach. It's brilliant. It's like, duh, <laughs> right? At the same time. <laughs> well, I love, I love this conversation. This has been a lot of fun. What final thoughts would you have for the ladies as we, you know, as we think about, you know, innovate? Like what's one area that, you know, as you think about 2023 and innovate, like what's, what's one thing that's just kind of popping in your heart? Well, you know, I know that there's the ladies and the gentlemen that listen to this podcast are in all different areas and all different types of occupations and different levels in their companies. And so I want to speak particularly to those of you, maybe you're in a management position, maybe you're not even in middle management, that don't be that person to dismiss yourself. Sometimes the way people get up the ladder is because they became innovative. They became problem solvers. And they didn't dismiss themselves. They engaged themselves. And I know this, that when I think about our employees and those that got promotions, were those that came <coughs> identifying issues and coming in with solutions. So you know what? Look at yourself as an innovator. It doesn't, you don't have to have a specific title to be considered an innovator. If you are a child of God, if you know the voice of the Holy Spirit, you are an innovator and you have been placed there. Our purpose on this earth is to bring solutions. And so it's going to come across a wide span of things from, you know, I mean, I wish I had a story to bring to you of whoever invented the paperclip. Like, how did that come about, right? <laughs> and some of the people that are the wealthiest people today were innovating to find a solution for a problem. And so let's let's greet that. Let's let's embrace that idea of us all being innovators. And because we are set here to do kingdom business and God likes to show up. Yes, he does. And I love that he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. So if you feel the like the least innovative person in the world you're probably the one he wants to use to innovate and that's what i love about who he is well yeah. ladies well ladies thank you so much for your time today i want you to follow colleen rouse right now cw rouse and you can follow her on instagram you can also follow thrive today women on instagram as well and head over to thrivetoday.com to learn more about our membership and our community Ladies, as you live your life, we want you to do it with leadership, community, and strength. Don't forget to thrive.